A recent study reports that the rate of depression for pastors is double that of the national average. We're going to talk about why that is and how we can get help for those of us involved in ministry that suffer with depression and anxiety next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Steve Lacey. And my name is Phil Thompson. Did I throw you off again, Steve? You did, man. I confused you. We've you only always been doing start this with your name, and then uh, we go to my name. Uh, you know, we got to change things up a little bit. We've only been doing this for, I don't know what, I don't know, 10, 12 years, something like that. So, uh, all right. So we are, uh, we're a company that helps churches and ministries with tech, but we, all, we do all sorts of things, not just tech stuff. And you know, today's a prime example of that. Oh, uh, we have a, uh, you know, I always kind of say our special guest, uh, but, but today, uh, this guest really is special to me. I've known him for a long time. Uh, he doesn't remember, uh, when we first met, but that's okay. He's older. He's 10 years older than I am. So we'll give him a little bit of grace here, but, uh, uh, he grew up in the Midwest and, uh, I guess I need to put my glasses on to make sure I read your bio here, Chet. Uh, mom, his mom was a teacher. His dad was a minister and, uh, he ended up going to college and seminary. Uh, and, uh, he actually has, well, this was the sixties. So, if, you know, you're, you have in your bio here that you abuse drugs and alcohol. Well, of course you did. It's the sixties. And, uh, but then, uh, when he was in his late twenties, he gave his life to God. Uh, he, he did more schooling, more Bible college, and ended, ended up with a doctorate in psychology. And uh, he has been a marriage counselor and a psychotherapist now for 40 years. I can't believe that, Chet. 40 years. 40 years, yeah. And uh, served as in ministry, pastor of a church, uh, did music, uh, all sorts of stuff. He's got a new book coming out, which we'll talk about maybe at the end here, called God is in the Crazy. Now that's that's pretty, uh, you know, especially for your profession. That's that's actually uh, very, uh, very good. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dr. Chet Weld. Hi, Chet. How are you? I'm fine, Phil. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Steve. Good to be here. Yeah, it's, glad to have you. And, yeah, and thank you. Chet's I'm here in Tucson, Arizona, which is where we're from. So I don't know why we've never had you on. <laughs> well, thanks for finally having me on. And I'm used to this, you know, it's teletherapy which I've been doing since the pandemic set in um, oh, yeah. I'm on camera all the time and talking to clients all the time with, uh, you know, the teletherapy. Yeah. I don't know what you call it in your field. In my field, it's teletherapy. What do you call uh, it? Uh, well, uh, uh, it, it's some kind of an addiction thing, I think is what we call it. Uh, no, it's, it's uh, well, we do streaming video, so we just call it streaming video. But okay. uh, uh, so really what we're going to talk about today, and we're finally getting around to it here, is we're going to talk about, uh, people involved in ministry that and 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 depression and anxiety. So dealing with depression and anxiety, and uh, this is something that I don't think a lot of evangelicals talk a whole lot about. Um, there's a uh, there's been studies out. One of them is uh, from the Journal of uh, 
primary prevention says that the rate of, of people in, in ministry, at least pastors in ministry, is double than the national average. And so uh, I thought it would be good to talk a little bit about anxiety, depression, not just for people who are pastors, but even people involved in serving their church, people involved you know, in, in key volunteer roles. And so uh, I myself have had dealt with anxiety and depression, uh, really more so when I became a senior pastor years ago. And uh, so uh, I've got a little bit of experience with this. And so I thought that we would talk to Chet a little bit about this. So, Phil, you skipped over one of the you, you, you mentioned that it's double the rate of the national average, but you didn't mention the rate. I just thought it'd be important to throw in there that you have it's what, 11.1 percent. Well, that was a few years ago, too. That was a few uh, years ago. Suffer from depression or anxiety, mm-hmm. which is that's one out of 10. Right. So it's not a real uncommon thing at all. So. It's not uncommon, and we'll let Chet address this, but but I don't think we talk a lot about a lot about it, right? Uh, and and I think that that's a problem. Uh, so wouldn't you say that, Chet? I mean, uh, I mean, our pastors. In fact, that's probably one of our our first questions is, um, you know, is there is is there a, a stigma? Do you find this as a counselor uh, that there's kind of a hesitancy, a stigma involved? when pastors or people involved in ministry come to you and say, I have depression, I have anxiety. Um, it's more of a stigma for pastors because they're already on a pedestal and they themselves are comparing themselves to other ministers. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't see them in the counseling office nearly as often as everybody else who suffers from what you might call the common cold of mental illness, which is depression. And I also think anxiety. And I'm guessing the stats are way above 50% for those that suffer from it now and then or in their lives, you know. So mm-hmm. that stat you mentioned is probably from people that were suffering from it at the time that the poll was taken, you know. So we're all human beings. We have vulnerabilities. And I like to say we have a, a vulnerability to anxiety or vulnerability to depression rather than I'm a depressed person or I'm anxious. It doesn't define our identity, you know, but it is, um, we do have these vulnerabilities and it works. Yes. Um, people, volunteers, anybody in ministry, I'm sure it's pretty common, pretty common um, phenomenon. Is it another element of the stigma is, I mean, the pastors are supposed to be working with and treating people, not necessarily clinically treating people, but you know, the first place to go to for help is your pastor when you're, when you have things going on in your life. And so, this is kind of like the doctor having to go to the doctor, right? Yeah, and studies do show that people go to their pastor before they go to anybody else, actually. Is that good? Do you think that's a good thing, Jet? <laughs> um, well, it's a good thing that they have that connection, but most pastors understand their limitations, so they'll talk to them for two or three times, and then they'll refer them out to some licensed person, such as myself. Yeah, so it's a good thing to... To know your limit, we've all, like Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations, right? Okay, <laughs> That's a we all thing. have we all have limitations. Even pastors in the in, in the ministry, some are better at administration, some are better at preaching, some are better at relationship building. You know, so it's good for pastors to find their niche and concentrate on that, and then ask for help. You know, where you where the pastors need help in in other areas. So where does that threshold lie with let's say? You know, I'm a pastor, I'm serving in the ministry, and I'm just, you know, I'm worn out and I'm tired and I'm a little depressed. When when should I reach out for some help? 
Um, is it going to be obvious to me or is, you know, what, what is it? What is the threshold for reaching out for help? It's interesting. It's less obvious to men than it is to women. And so um, that, that would be true of men and women in ministry too. So common signs would be um, not sleeping well enough. Concentration is waning. Um, oh gosh. Short tempered. <laughs> short tempered, you know, and the diet and exercise are, are, are failing. Um, the prayer life is slipping. The boundaries are, are slipping. And they don't have as many relationships, maybe not even an accountability partner, you know, not much support expectations too high uh, but anyway they have to trust their intuition mm-hmm. yeah but but that's the thing and if they have a prayer life they'll have better intuition because they're they're more in touch with with the lord well, why that, do you think this is i'm sorry steve but why do you think why do you think people in ministry according to the stats seem to be affected to a greater degree or seem to be maybe i don't know and to use your words more vulnerable to depression and anxiety? Why do you think that is? You're asking Steve or me? I'm asking you, Chet, because you're the expert here. Oh, why they are more vulnerable. But yeah, why, 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 why do they have more depression? Why are people involved in ministry, even, even volunteers or pastors, why do they seem to have, or do you even agree? Do you think they have more depression than the average Joe, or, or do they not? I think they do. Um, you know, people bring their dysfunctions into the kingdom of God. So, for example, if somebody's a, um, a perfectionist, okay, and, and they give their life to Christ, well, of course, they're going to go right to the scripture somehow, where Jesus says, be perfect, all right? And so that justifies their perfectionism. So now they're working harder to be perfect than ever. And, of course, we know that the word really means um, be whole or complete in your faith. So people bring their dysfunctions into the kingdom, then they find scriptures to justify them. And then they're just working too hard, more like um, there's an example in, in the scripture of Martha ministering to Jesus and working too hard when Mary's resting at Jesus' feet and Jesus commends Mary, but but not Martha. Okay. You know, and, and church splits are caused by too much, too much work of the volunteers in the kitchen and not enough um, basking in the Holy Spirit in the sanctuary. Okay. So they're not in, they're not in balance and they're not nurturing themselves enough. They're, they're, they're trying too hard. And then eventually um, that's really like rescuing, rescuing the church and rescuers always become victims. So eventually they become bitter. They feel unappreciated. They don't feel rewarded enough. And, and, um, and you, you couldn't have a church split on your hands if, if, that, if that spreads. But self-care is, is, is so important for those people, as well as getting kudos from the ministry, um, for people in the ministry. We all have needs and such. Um, but what's the question like? What's the vulnerabilities, the greater vulnerabilities to, to get to burnout? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned uh, that that you you said at the very top of the podcast here that 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 we've all been affected at it affected probably by depression and anxiety at some point in our lives. Uh, we're vulnerable to it, and and I think you were using the term that that we're vulnerable to it. So, uh, I, I mean, I can answer the question just on my own experience yeah, yeah. That, that in ministry and as a pastor, uh, you know, you're just hit with all sorts of attacks, people's problems your own problems. <laughs> you're trying to, as you just said earlier, you're trying to, the burden of the church is on you. 
you know, I, I think that that's one of the reasons we're, we're just hit so hard, probably harder than, than the average, if I can say that, the average person that maybe is not in ministry. Yeah, I agree. You know, in my 40 years as a Christian therapist, 24 of those years have been um, in the church, either of the, as the director of counseling in two churches or leading worship for four years in, in, a, in a smaller church. Um, one and a half of those 24 years, I was a janitor in a church. And it was grace, okay? And then um, at the end of the service, I was cleaning up the platform area, and I looked out in the volunteer who was putting cards in the pews, the backs of the pews, and I said, God will bless you for that, Sue. And she said, God will bless me anyway, Chad. And that's a powerful truth. Of course, I knew it, but I didn't know it well enough, or I might not have said it, or it might not have surprised me. But yes, God is going to bless us um, more for our faith, and for our works, and our works have to proceed from our faith, and the disciples weren't even sent out until after spending a lot of time with Jesus, okay, so when we're, when we're, I call it traveling at the speed of Christ, Phil and Steve, you know, so if we're traveling at the speed of Christ, we're not dragging our heels, and we're not going too fast, but um, people that are getting burnt out generally are going too fast, okay, but they, they don't realize it, man. and if, they, if they're in relationships, have people that can call them on it, that helps a lot. So you mentioned that um, if they're active in their prayer life, that they're going to recognize whether they're having some depression or not. I would, my assumption is, and I don't know it for a fact, but it seems like that, um, that as I become more depressed, I become more apathetic. Whereas uh, no more quiet time, no more. I just don't care about anything. Is that, is that true? Is that um, one of the signs of depression? Yeah, sure. And, you know, most apathy is repressed anger. And so that's something for people to consider when they are apathetic. Then they're discouraged about something, of course. Um, but there's probably some irritation in there. that They're feeling let down and such. So that's another reason why they need somebody to talk to, small group, accountability partner, counselor, another pastor to go to. I tell clients there's no healing outside of relationships, and that is so true, okay? So if they can keep up their relationships, then they'll have people that say, hey, I noticed that you're, you're apathetic these days. You know, well, why don't you want to talk? Could you talk to me about that? So as if I'm, say I'm this pastor and I'm recognizing the symptoms, I would assume that there's going to be some real hesitancy, first off, being able to openly reach out for help and, and then who, and where do I go? You mentioned, you know, I guess having going to another pastor, I may be thinking, no, I can't let anybody in the church know. So I'm not going to go to the associate pastor. Where, where, where do I turn? What's the, what's a healthy Avenue to, um, to pursue. I'm, a healthy I'm, Avenue is a, is a licensed Christian um, psychologist or counselor of, of, of any variety could be a marriage family counselor, you know, but um, somebody that's licensed and also strong in their faith. So contacting someone like me to get a referral or coming to see me um, would is an answer. And, and these people are out there. There, there may be only five of us in the city right now that have over 30 years, over 35, I think, when I think of Randy Reynolds and some other shit, 35 years experience of um christian christian based counselor and and some of us also pastors um so as far as where to go you just have to 
um, often calling the church and they know most pastors have people that they refer others, you know, their parishioners to. So calling the pastor is a, is a good, and seeing the pastor at first is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. This might be, uh, this probably, this probably, this, there's probably not a pat answer to this, but yeah. if I, if I, you know, if I'm in ministry, even as a volunteer and I, and I go to, let's say I go to you uh, and I've got depression, what's the typical course of treatment? And, and there's probably no typical, right? It probably depends on the circumstances, but is there, is there several steps that you would advise people uh, and I, I know this is not going to be a therapy session here, but you know, what would you tell people? What, what's typically do you tell, especially people involved in ministry? Okay. First, you have to um, make sure you're bonding with the counselor pretty well. Okay. So I bond real well with people and most people, they say the goal of the first session is for the client to come back to the second, right? Okay. <laughs> so much of the first session is spent in bonding, but I use cognitive behavioral therapy and, or CBT and CBT is proven to be the most effective way to, to treat anxiety and depression. And CBT, cognitive, has to do with our cognitions and our behaviors. Obviously, you know, um, I, I help people understand what, how they're distorting reality. The meanings we attribute to the things that happen to us are at, are at the heart or near the heart of um, how come we're feeling the way we are. We're distorting our perceptions of things. So we have these cognitive distortions or ants, automatic negative thoughts. So I start there with looking at their thought life, you know, and then we go deeper into underlying assumptions, childhood underlying assumptions, conclusions that they made about themselves, other people, the world, the future, those four things basically. And then I look at based on early childhood memories, what decisions did you make? And so there's usually two or three or four common decisions. Sometimes they amount to real core beliefs okay and now all change is redecision work okay so then we work on um redeciding what do you want to believe about yourself and and these other things okay and um did you ever do that when did you get it right that's called solution focused therapy have you ever had the solution hey when you weren't depressed or when you weren't anxious what were you doing differently what were you thinking differently um and and i tell people we're we're not um sprinting here we're running a marathon okay and we, you need to travel at the speed of Christ, and God usually heals us slowly. But yeah, I have definite, a definite counseling model and other favorite counseling models, such as looking at the family system, um, transactional analysis. And I can't go into all that, of course, in a short podcast like this. But yes, yeah. any, any licensed person is going to have a set way with flexibility, especially if you're Christian, because all of that is integrated into a, a world outlook that includes God. And I found out that the most effective thing I ever do for people is to pray with them at the beginning and the end or the end of the session, sometimes in the middle. And that's why I wrote my dissertation on prayer. Okay. Um, so all of this is integrated into our faith. Okay. And, and to whatever degree people have faith, then to that same degree, that's their biggest strength. Let me uh, let me ask you, let me jump in here and ask you a controversial, for some people, controversial question. Uh, I know you're not a psychiatrist, but what do you think about meds uh, treating people with, uh, that have anxiety and depression? Uh, um, with, I think uh, I think uh, that they can be quite effective. Um, I think that um, it has to be very carefully considered with the physician. 
and that it should be discussed with me. And then I often make a recommendation. Of course, the, um, the danger is that it covers something else because behind anxiety and depression, there are often more complicated issues that a lot of therapists miss such as um, trauma, early childhood trauma and attachment issues, not a good attachment with mom or dad. And that's really oftentimes catered, okay? So sometimes the CBT model um, isn't enough and, and we have to go deeper. And, and sometimes I will refer to a trauma therapist to, to, for, for deeper work like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. now I forget what that question was too, sorry. <laughs> I butted in and, and jumped in on Steve. Well, I stepped on Steve. You weren't butting in, you were reading my mind because I was going to ask the same question. Okay. Of right. What's the role of, of medications in, yeah. in the treatment? So Yeah, okay. Well, good. All right. So, so Chet, um, we're, we're about running out of time here. We've been speaking with Dr. Chet Weld. Um, uh, you've got a book coming out, but before we get to the book, let's talk for just a second. I mean, give you an opportunity to close out on, on what we're talking about, depression and anxiety. And, and I want to also let people know how they can get a hold of you later. But uh, closing thoughts okay. on this. I know we've only talked 20 minutes on it, but, you know. I have, a, I have a closing thought. My, my favorite quote is by a, um, a French priest in the 1900s. Man is in reality what he is before God. No more, no less. We need to keep that in mind, okay? Um, I'm not what I am. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people think I am, what people think of me, you know? I am who I am before God, okay? So if I'm being obedient and doing my best on a daily basis, doing my best, I can, I can really relax. And that is a good thing to keep in mind. And that helps fight depression and anxiety. Good deal. All right. I had one other question about, and I probably should know the answer here, but is there a role for group therapy? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I was the head of a celebrate recovery ministry at one church and I was the director of a singles ministry at another church. And the same dynamic there is the importance of relationships and defeating anxiety and depression. And again, I see it as something to be, be defeated. That's called externalizing the problem. We have a vulnerability. How does the anxiety get on you? What's your vulnerability? How does the depression get on you? Let's look at the vulnerability. Okay. But relationships um, are, are so important. And, and, and maybe you're talking about group therapy. Yeah. I've yeah I'm thinking about of, group therapy. Yeah. Okay. I've run a lot of groups and people, and people get more from each other than if they just oftentimes than if they just came and spoke with a therapist. Very important. Okay. I think it's uh, it, it, I, I just feel like life is all about relationships. And I feel like when you can, when you're with, you know, like you said, a group or group therapy, you begin to realize, Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the only weirdo in this group. Yeah. There's other people that are dealing with things. I'm not alone. And, and I yeah. think that that certainly would add to it. Yeah. All right. This is really a powerful topic in which I, I don't think is talked about enough, uh, especially for people involved, even as volunteers in ministry. Uh, it's, it's just so important. Uh, our, you know, we talk about our physical health, but our, our emotional health is, is so important. So uh, you, uh, you've got a book out coming out real soon. 
called it's called God is in the crazy yes. as we talk about <laughs> emotional things here. Uh, I, I know it's coming out soon. Real quick, what in the world is is this book about? God is in the crazy. Okay, the subtitle is with astounding miracles and reflections on the peaceful life. Okay, so the book is packed with miracles that I've been told over the years. Actually, thirty two miracles in there. Four of them that some of you know, Roger Barrier, that mm-hmm. Roger and Julie gave to me, that they've either experienced or witnessed from a missionary. Um, most of these have been told to me, just astounding miracles with angel appearances, sometimes appearing as human beings and disappearing. Astounding miracles, okay? And then there are many other miracles mentioned um, in shorter segments. So there's really over 50 miracles in this book. So there's a lot of um, that Okay, um, plus um, anecdotes about my own life, miracles that I've experienced, miracles that well-known people and lesser well-known people have experienced, um, and lessons that, that I've learned over the years, like, the, like the, um, how downward mobility um, is a good thing, seasons of anonymity in our life, you know, like Jesus was downwardly mobile, I expand on that, traveling at the speed of Christ is is in there um um the wilderness equals power that's another um concept so a lot of concepts like that i expand on and inter- intersperse as i'm sort of deriving the meanings that um come from the miracle experiences so it's it's a powerful book of encouragement you know you could read a few pages every day as a devotional it'll be coming about out in about four years and if anybody wants to get my one month newsletter every month newsletter they would email me at my email, weldzone at comcast.net. Okay. Right, re- repeat that again and spell Weld, it out. Spell it out. W-E-L-D-Z-O-N-E at comcast.net. And I could um, put them on my newsletter list, and then they would know when the book comes out, probably in four or five months. Yeah, I, sounds I'm good. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it sounds exciting. Uh, and you've worked with some people that I – have known over the years and greatly respect people like Roger Barrier here in Tucson and John Castile back in the early days and and all those people, Ronnie Reynolds. And and there's just some great people that you, that you have worked closely with. Yeah. So, and if folks, if, if you miss that contact information, of course you can always back up this podcast, but you can always reach out to us. Uh, We're at support at streamingchurch.tv. If you uh, want Chet's information, the contact information, uh, when you get on his, his email list, or if you just have a question for Dr. Weld, uh, you can, you know, you can send it to us and we'll forward it over to him. Does that sound okay with you, Chet? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I've had a four month sabbatical and I'm now returning part time. And the people that have been waiting to see me are going to be called first. So someone okay. wanting to see me, you know, soon, it would probably be a wait but I could direct them to the right person if I, if I can't see them. Sure. And, you know, I mean, we're global, so maybe you could help people find something. I don't know. uh, Yeah. They can can go to aacc.net and um, find somebody in any city. I can help them with that. What is that again? Tell me that website again. Yeah. AACC.net American Association of Christian Counselors, which I'm a member of. I could tell them. Wow. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, this is this has been wonderful. Uh, the the topic again is I I feel so important. It's wonderful to see you and and uh, and and talk with you, Chet. Uh, we we haven't 
we haven't seen each other for a long time and it's just good to it's good to catch up with you so i'm so glad we'll and we'll have you on again once the book is released here uh and and people well again the best way to get the book is just go through you uh but uh is this going to be available on amazon or something oh yeah it'll be available everywhere and i'm hoping to make an audible book too that's a little more involved there you go yeah it is so we'll have you on again we'll talk a little more about the book so thank you so much i sure appreciate you so much Thanks. Thanks to you, Steve, too. Great to talk with you. It was great to have you. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Dr. Well. Thank you, Steve Lacey. And thank you, folks, for listening and or watching this Church Solutions podcast. We'll be on again next time with another edition. Please take care of yourself and we'll catch you next time.